Welcome to Egress Moshe A to Z. I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, Rosh HaYeshiva and President of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. This week we're looking at Qvot relating to the topic of I, immersion, or tefillah, what a woman does at the end of her nida period so that she and her husband may resume marital relations. Today, we're going to look at two Qvot that are not really connected to one another, but are on highly relevant topics and are of critical importance that Rav Moshe ruled on these because these are issues that come up for women on a pretty regular basis. One Qvot is on the issue about showering right after immersion or bathing right after immersion, and the other Qvot is on the topic of a woman going to the mikveh during the daytime, specifically day number seven, although women would usually go the night of the seven, the following night. So we'll start with the first Qvot, which is on showering after immersion. This is from Igris Moshe, Yeridea 296, and it was written in 1968 in August. Um, here's what he discusses, because the Ramah, in Simon Reish Aleph, in 7201 in Shulchan Aruch says that women are not supposed to shower right after immersion or bathe, based on the fact that the Gemara says that the rabbis instituted a tuman impurity for somebody who would shower or bathe right after immersion, a man or any person, an impurity that would be an issue for eating sanctified foods, for eating truma. And the reason for this was because there was a concern that people would think that it would be the shower or the bath which would be what would be making this person pure, tahor, and not the mikvah. So in order to avoid that type of a confusion coming up, the rabbis instituted that if a person did bathe immediately afterwards, it would create some type of this impurity, and that would stop people from doing this and therefore stop the confusion. So Rav Moshe says the following, that some forbid uh, to bathe immediately after going to the mikvah, and this is based on the Mordechai, and I should mention that based on this, women have the practice of when they come home, before they take a shower, to first, uh, you know, touch their husband physically in some way, which indicates that, look, the mikvah made them tahor, they can now have physical contact with their husbands, and now they would go ahead and take a shower. So if Moshe says, that this is the Mordechai basing himself on a raviyah, that some people would critique this fact that women would go ahead and take a bath or a shower right after going to the mikvah. So Rav Moshe says, it's true, that's in the Ramah, but what you need to know is, This is only a single opinion, an opinion of a minority, of one rabbi, the Rav Yah who cites this opinion, and the Mordechai cites the Rav Yah, says, the Rav Yah himself says that it's almost definite in his eyes that a woman can bathe immediately after going to the mikvah, and because the this institution of tumah, of impurity, by taking a bath immediately after immersion, was only for truma purposes, was not for purposes relating to a husband and wife. And then Rav Moshe goes on, to say, not only that, not only was the scope of this limited to issues of truma, but you've actually misunderstood what this whole thing was, because this Zera was not saying that the person who immersed, the immersion was now invalid. What it was saying was, was that there was a new tuma created by bathing or showering. The immersion did not become invalid. There's a new halacha that 
after you immersed, you became tahor, but if now you go ahead and you bathe in water in a certain way, that'll make you tameh. It is not that it undoes the immersion that you already did. And Rav Moshe goes on to say, So Rav Moshe here now touches on a point that is a big conceptual question when one learns the laws of Nida, and it's an issue also that people deal with in terms of understanding what this whole Nida is about, which is there's an aspect of Nida which is Tum'ah, which has the normal implications of Tum'ah, that a person can't eat Truma and can't eat sacrifices. And then there's another aspect which is completely one does not find by any other tumot at all, which is that it creates a prohibition between husband and wife to have intercourse and sexual touch and so on. And the question is, are these two statuses of Anida related to one another, or are they completely independent? It's fascinating. Some Rishonim seem to indicate one way, some indicate another way. One interesting question that comes up is, could a woman go to the mikvah and under certain circumstances, it would make her tahor for her husband, but not tahor to touch truma, or maybe even vice versa. So Rav Moshe says, actually, the prohibition to the husband is not related to the status of truma. And therefore, this gzera, this uh, rabbinic edict relating to bathing would be completely irrelevant. So now Rav Moshe has said a few things. Number one, it's only about Truma, not about the husband. Number two, another reason to think it's only about Truma, not about the husband, is this is all about a question about purity and impurity, and Rav Moshe says that has nothing to do, it makes sense that that has nothing to do with a woman's status vis-a-vis her husband, that's not a concept of purity or impurity. And number three, and perhaps most important, this is not about invalidating the immersion, it is about a new Truma that has relevance for Truma, but has no relevance for her status vis-a-vis her husband. It's a type of a tumor that says you can't eat truma. It does not invalidate the immersion that took place. And Rav Moshe says, why not? Because rabbis would not retroactively invalidate a kosher immersion. They would just create something new. Rav Moshe concludes that it's rakdat yachid. It is only a minority, and even less than a minority, one rabbi's opinion. And that's also indicated from the gra on the Shulchan Aruch. So now we have a fascinating point, which is, the Ramah says some people have this practice not to take a bath afterwards, and Rav Moshe says that practice makes no sense. It's a single rabbi's opinion. There's a dozen reasons why it's not relevant, because it was only by Truma. It's not based on Truma, and more, most significantly, it's only a new Truma type of Truma created, not an invalidating of the immersion. Why is this relevant? It's relevant because, A, let's say a woman for us, the question does come up, is feeling really yicky and wants to take a shower right after going to the mikvah. Um, or two, let's say the husband isn't going to be home right away. Maybe he's not even going to be home that day. Does that mean that the woman can't take a bath until she's with her husband? And this came up for Rav Moshe in cases about women in the country in the summer who would go to the mikvah on, let's say, Monday, and their husband wouldn't be home until Shabbos. Are they not allowed to bathe? Will that undo their immersion? So Rav Moshe says, listen, even besides everything I said, this prohibition would only be this issue, this practice, if it exists, would only be for a day. It doesn't make sense to think that it applies even after, a day after a person immersed. So certainly if a woman is waiting more than a day, she can bathe on the second day, take a shower, and even for the Ramon, even for this approach, it would have no effect on her status for her husband. Now, let's say it's hard for her to go a full day without taking a shower and a bath. And you can't say, you know, just have some contact with your husband first, or the husband isn't home. 
So then he concludes and says, She can't wake a, f- a full day without bathing, because from the night she goes to the mikvah till the next halachic day is 24 hours. So then he says, Then you can say, you know what, fine. Take a bath, take a shower right away, even though you haven't been with your husband yet. It's only one minority, small minority opinion. That one doesn't even have to be concerned with this opinion. So this is fascinating. The Ramah rules it. Rav Moshe says it is such a minority opinion and it doesn't make any sense. And therefore, if you really need to bathe and shower and you don't have an opportunity to be with your husband before you do that, go ahead and do it. It's just a minog to be machmir, even though there's no real logical basis for this. So, this is a very important principle that Moshe applies multiple times, which is if it's a minhag and not a halacha, we can assume that the minhag was not meant to apply to cases of great need. And he has this in many, many circumstances. So here of Moshe, because do you really want to say we go against the Ramah, which is pretty much what the whole tshuva was saying? So Moshe says, okay, we don't go against it. There is such a practice. But it's a practice, we have to understand, is not halacha, is totally based on chumrah. And that chumrah you don't have to worry about at a time of great need. Not that the great need overrides it, but we can assume the chumrah was never, this practice was never meant to apply in cases of great need. And then he ends by saying, but most women can wait a day before bathing. This is, again, as I said, very relevant, A, when the husband won't be home right away, um, and B, sometimes a woman comes right out of the mikvah, maybe she has an hour to drive before going home, and she feels she really needs to shower, and that she should know that it is allowed to shower or bathe after going to the mikvah, even before being with the husband, although the practice is to wait. Okay, so that's one very relevant shuva, where we see he's willing to go uh, line up the positions against the Ramah to frame that minhag, certain chumrat and minhagim were not, were not meant to apply in cases of great need. Now we deal with another one which is also highly relevant, and this is about going to the mikvah at the daytime on Friday afternoon. This is in Yeridea 360 from October 1974. And this is also going to be fascinating because, again, it gets to a question of how much is Rav Moshe willing, based on the earlier sources, to go up against the standard psak. In the previous one, he went up against the Ramah. Here, he's going to go against the Shach. Because there is a debate between Rabbeinu Tam and the Rashbam in the Gemara. Normally, a woman would go the night of the seventh, being the night following the seventh day. And the reason not to go in the daytime was because of a concern that she might have sex with her husband if she went to the mikvah in the daytime, she'd have sex in the daytime, and if she were to bleed before nightfall, it would retroactively mean that the immersion wasn't good, because the immersion in the daytime of the seven is only on the presumption that the day will continue without there being any bleeding. So to prevent that, the rabbi said, a woman cannot immerse on day seven. The question comes, what happens if that concern is not present? What happens if the woman won't see her husband until nightfall? So Rabbeinu Tam says that the practice was for women to go to the mikvah not actually after sunset or after tzeit kochavim, which is now our practice. Our practice is to wait until after tzeit, but to actually go right before sunset. And therefore, by the time she came home, it would already be tzeit kochavim, and she wouldn't see her husband until that time, and therefore um, that would presumably allow women to get home earlier, to travel when it wasn't so dark, and that was actually the regular practice, Rabbeinu Tom says. Ravad Yosef indicates that in Sephardi communities, that was actually the practice in many places, might still be the practice. So Rabbeinu Tom says, look, 
even though technically she's going in the daytime, a few minutes before sunset, that's okay because she won't be with her husband, she won't see her husband um, until night, and therefore this Gzeira did not apply, this ruling of not going during the daytime. Rashbam disagrees. Most of the poskim seem to side with Rabbi Mitam, and therefore the logic would be that a woman can go um, in the day of the seven when necessary if she won't see her husband. One could still distinguish between going right before nightfall, which is maybe considered as if it were nightfall, and going in the middle of the day, but at least there's a basis for saying such a thing in times when there is a need. Uh, the problem is, is that the shach and a number of poskim do not want to consider under any circumstances that a tevila in the day of the seventh would be valid. My personal read of that is because uh, since in the Torah, Anita goes at the night of the seventh, but the night following the seven days of the onset of bleeding, here it's after following seven clean days, 12 days after the onset, but they wanted to keep the structure of the woman going at night. And therefore, they read Rabbeinu Tam to say that when she can go in the day, it meant the day of the eighth, not the day of the seventh. And this, the Shach, is of course a major, major, major interpreter of Shulchan Aruch. So the question is, is Rav Moshe willing to take him on? And the answer is yes. So let's take a look. He named Litvobiyom Zayin Le'it Erev to go towards evening on day seven. Coming home after it gets dark. There's a debate. According to the Shach and Abach, it's forbidden, even Bidyeved. And they want to say that maybe even if she did go at day seven, that even post facto the immersion would not be good. Um, like the Maharil, but he didn't write, the Maharil didn't write that it was good to be strict, except when it's possible. But certainly, whether post facto or it's only lechatchila, certainly as an allowable practice, the Rambam says it is not. Whatever the status might be post facto, therefore, according to him, there's no way that we could allow it. Now, Rav Moshe says that the reason the Shach says it was that the reason is because how he explains the debate of Rabbeinu Tam and the Rashbam. Mishum shehudim mefarshi machlokas Rashbam Rabbeinu Tam biyom chet shachein mashma mitur. That sounds from the tour that they're debating day eight, and that's how the Shach is reading it. Day seven would always be out. A good read of Tosos and the Sidre Tower makes it clear that Rabbeinu Tam said his position on day seven. And Rav Moshe says, and anyway, of course he said it because he was ta- on day seven. He was talking about a regular practice. He's talking about normal immersion, which is on day seven. And a look at the original sources makes it clear that Rabbeinu Tam allows in day, on day seven. And maybe even though the tour sounds a little bit like day eight, Rav Moshe says it's so obvious from the earlier sources that we'll say even the tour is saying day seven. Since this is clear that this is Rabbeinu Tam and this is Tosus's position, and then he says, and even the Rashbam who disagrees is only disagreeing So now he goes one step further. Fine, maybe you've proven it's Rabbeinu Tam's position, but doesn't the Rashbam disagree? So Rav Moshe says, no. Again, a close read of the sources makes it clear that Rashbam is only saying that it's good not to do it this way. Don't make this your regular practice that Rabbeinu Tam indicated. Regularly, they'd go right before sunset. But certainly Rashbam would agree if necessary, says Rav Moshe, that it would be okay. 
שלכן כשאין יכול לטבול בלילה, שהוא אונס, יש להתיר לטבול בזין. באופן שלא תבוא עד שתחשך לביתה, we can rule like the סדרי טהרה, and even אף בשביל אונס דביטול אונה לילה אחת. And now it's an important point, which we saw in the last episode, that Rav Moshe says, even if it means just missing one night with her husband. Now, and this will be a very, very common occurrence, really, this could apply any time. A couple is going away for a vacation, they have to be at the airport, it's the mikvah night. Can the woman go on day seven rather than wait till the nightfall, which would mean they'd have to push it off a day or two or three, based on where there's a mikvah where they're going. But a very common occurrence is the mikvah is Friday night, it's not within walking distance, so if you don't let the woman go day seven of Friday day, It'll mean not being able to go to the mikvah till Saturday night. So if Moshe says, even missing one night or one day together with her husband, that is considered a very exigent circumstance, an onus. Uh, that is a major sacrifice to ask a person to make. And therefore, even for that, we have to find a way to allow it. This has to factor very weightily in these types of halachic decisions. And therefore, that is certainly a case that one that Rabbeinu Tam will allow a woman to go even before nightfall. Even Rashbam will allow it, because even Rashbam was only whether L'Chathchila one should do it. But certainly in cases like this, even Rashbam would allow it. So that's a critically important psaac. There's still many, many poskim that will have a much higher threshold for day seven. I remember one time I had a circumstance where I told a woman she could go on day seven. Similar, it would mean missing a night with her husband if she didn't. And she wasn't going to be together with her husband until nightfall, as the, is necessary for this approach. And uh, first of all, there's a whole question about will the mikvah let you go? What instructions does the mikvah lady have? And then there's the question about the you know, mikvah tend will often uh, have to get instructions from the supervising rabbi. I remember having had a whole conversation with the supervising rabbi who conceded that according to Rav Moshe, she should go on day seven, but was still very reluctant to have them tell the mikvah attendant this because of certain local politics. Fascinating case. Anyway, so it's really a highly important sock, but one that sometimes takes navigating based on uh, the particular rules of the mikvah. Now, Rav Moshe says that this is uh, he's going to deal with this case, again, in his issue about being away in the country. And he says the following, Here's the real question. We've established the parameters that a woman can go on day seven when she won't be together with her husband, if it means delaying the mikveh even one day. But the question that we need to ask is, he says, look, if it's a weekday, so fine, you go right near nightfall and you don't drive home and get to your house until it's nightfall. He says, Most of the issues are Shabbos and Yantav issues. You don't want to be cutting it to the last minute. You know, let's say there's traffic or whatever. You want to be able to get home well before Shabbos, or at least give yourself a good buffer, which means that you're going to the mikvah not five minutes before sunset, but maybe an hour before sunset. So is that allowed? And here, again, Rabbeinu Tam said, right next to nightfall. So maybe it's because we look at it like nightfall. The Chassam Sofer said, you can rely on Rabbeinu Tam, but only if she doesn't enter into the town until nightfall. Everybody wants to see it as if she's going during the night. And here Rav Moshe takes a huge leap and says, she can actually come home even when it is still light outside, as long as she and her husband are not going to be in the same place. He's going straight to the core of the issue and doesn't need to frame it as if she went during the night. 
And he says, even the Chassam Sofer would really agree with me as long as it was not possible for them to get together. And then he makes an important point. He says, in the scenario where, let's say, the husband is already in Shul and the, at Kabbalah's Shabbos and the wife is coming home, if you just think about the normal way people work, he's going to stay in Shul until the end of davening. He'll come home, it'll be nightfall. You don't have to wait, worry at all. She's not going to go to the shul. He's not going to come home. It's a scenario in which there's no concern that they will see each other before nightfall. Now, if Moshe says, but they could. He could sneak out of shul. So, so Moshe says, yeah, but we're not afraid people are going to intentionally sin. If so, they wouldn't be asking these shilas to begin with, a really important point. right? It's not about if they wanted to, could they work their way around it. And they want to ask a shila. The question is, will they see each other unintentionally, and will that lead to something? And he says, We're not concerned they'll intentionally do it. If they see each other because he's already gone to the mikvah, so we're afraid that that one thing might lead to another. But if they're not seeing each other, it's not an issue. We're certainly not afraid that they're going to try to intentionally see one another, and therefore, if the circumstances are such that they will not normally bump into one another, it is totally okay, even if she returns home and he's in show, and it's still well during the daytime. But he says it is true that, you know, there's this chsam so fair, but nevertheless, if he's in the show, it's fine. Then Rav Moshe takes it even one step further. So you have to appreciate how bold and courageous this tshuva is. Number one, against the shach. Rabbeinu Tam was talking about day seven. Number two, even the Rashbam really agrees. Number three, it doesn't have to be right before nightfall. It could even be at the daytime if they're not going to see one another. And now number four, he says, Let's say they do see one another. He's not in show for some reason. But if circumstances make it that they cannot actually have privacy and be together, there are kids in the house. So that's okay, as long as the circumstances make it not reasonable for them to be able to, to have privacy and be together. And again, not if they didn't want to, they couldn't lock and close the door in their bedroom, but we're worried about not their desire intentionally to sin, but what the circumstances will lead to or not lead to. So now Rav Moshe has allowed them to actually see one another as long as the circumstances are such that they most likely will not have have sex. And this actually comes up a a good deal. Uh, The example I gave earlier, um, a woman has a, a they're, they're going on a vacation, they're going to the airport. Can they drive by the mikvah during the day and go to the mikvah and then get back in the car and drive together to the airport? So some people will only allow this if they take separate, you know, uh, cars or something. So when they're in the airport together, there are a lot of people around. But at the end of the day, it's a question of circumstances. And if they're they're not even if in theory they could pull off the side of the road, go to a motel or whatever on their way to the airport. They're not going to do that. They don't want to miss their flight. Under no normal circumstances would anybody ever do that. And therefore, based on this Rav Moshe, that would be allowed. And then Rav Moshe says, and he ends with something even more radical. And he says that even if they are home together alone and that there are no children, but if it is a day when it is still early on, it's 4 p.m., and normally nobody goes to sleep, and often some people will drop by, 
that even though in theory they could just close the door, lock the door, go up to their bedroom, and so on, since under normal circumstances nobody would be having sex at that time, then we don't have to be concerned that they will have sex. So that is one in which actually they could, and maybe even relatively easily could, but because of types of social norms, we should not expect or worry about that. That's taking it to quite an extreme, but nevertheless, he's prepared to go there when necessary. And I should mention that also in laws of Yichud, Rav Moshe brings up the idea that the possibility of somebody dropping by could be relevant to a situation of Yichud to consider it not a situation of Yichud. So two very important, very relevant to vote. One about the ability to go take a shower immediately after the mikvah, if necessary, even before being with one's, hu- one's husband. And the other, the ability to go to the mikvah on day seven, when necessary, um, even if husband and wife will see each other and will be together, if the circumstances are such that we are not concerned that it will lead to sex. Thanks for listening to Igris Moshe A to Z with Rabbi Dove Linzer. This podcast is brought to you three times a week by Shivat Chovevei Torah. Don't forget to subscribe and check out ycTorah.org to learn more.